Welcome to the GSD Factor Podcast Season 2 with your host, Misha Blamire-Farish. Welcome, GSD Factor Podcast listeners. I'm your host, Misha Blamire-Farish, and today I am so excited to have Angel out from California. Angel, how are you today? Amazing. How are you doing? Great. Thank you so much for being here. Angel, tell our listeners a little bit about who you are. So my name is Angel Guerra-Chigoya. I am a Latina entrepreneur, very proud to own two companies, uh, one which is Beauty and Beast in Business, and the second is a new consulting firm that I've created based on my experience as a international risk manager for a global company. Amazing. You are truly a GSD woman and angel. I'm so honored to have you on the show today. So GSD Factor listeners, we are always talking about the GSD Factor attributes. Those attributes include be confident, be inquisitive, be imaginative, be present, be resilient, and be influential. Today, we're going to lean into the conversation around DEIE because I really, this is one of those areas and topics that Angel is one of our thought leaders in the insurance space. And we are really excited to dive into this conversation. So Angel, let's kick off the discussion. You know, where, where is a DEIB as it relates to the insurance space here within the U.S.? Far behind. <laughs> I'm going to yes. be honest with you. We talk a lot about, or a lot of people talk about um, all of the improvement that has occurred or the movement that has occurred in the last few years. But when we think about it, I mean, we're in 2023. So at this point, I feel like we should not be this far behind. So those organizations that are saying, I need to do more, I need to do better, what do you recommend that, where do they start? What what is the first step that they need to do? First step is making sure that they have C-suite buy-in. If you do not have a C-suite buy-in, your program is not going to be effective because it's going to end up either being cut or just not continue to be implemented on a regular basis. Um, The second recommendation is to look at companies who are assisting with implementation of DE&I, not just coming in to do a one and done training, but something that is going to help with policy creation, program creation, training, as well as continual education. And I'm gonna say habit creation within the workplace. You know, there's been a few companies that have been popping up recently, and I'm going to say probably the last two or three years um, that are, I'm going to say, certifying as they have it uh, for DE&I. And I'd be really careful about that because there are no colleges that are certifying. And when, you know, employers or companies are saying, hey, well, do you have a DE&I certificate? It's really, really hard to make sure that that person, even if they have a stamp of approval or a certificate, knows exactly what to be implemented on the DEI practice versus um, just somebody who's learned something out of a book and, and expected to create a program and policy that's going to stay in effect. Great words of wisdom, and I want to dive into both of them separately. So first of all, let's talk through that C-suite buy-in. What do you 
what do you recommend for someone who doesn't have that buy-in? Are there resources, tools, books that they can share and call drip campaign on their C-suite to try to get them to get to grow that buy-in? There's a lot of information out there, but I think that one of the best things to do is find statistics. In order to get a C-suite buy-in or get executive buy-in, they want to see dollars and they want to see how much, how many dollars are going out um, and what is the return on investment. And if there's no, no statistics behind it, if there's no, um, let's say, prior programs or other companies that you can show, they are very much not interested. So being able to take companies such as, let's just say, Starbucks or Target or whatever company that you see out there that's really having a positive impact on their culture and creating DEI and B within their their um, their company and community. Those are the ones that you want to do a little research on and find out. You know how did they begin? Um, how much money are they saving? And when we talk about ROI, a lot of times, you know, it's very hard to, let's say it's hard to, to get an exact dollar amount, but what you want to look at is retention. If you're, if you have employee retention, if you have um, management and promotions within your employee pool, that's a huge return on investment because that means you're saving thousands of dollars on and and that equals millions of dollars across your your company on not having to hire not having to um have your hr take time to interview you know putting uh ads out in publications and magazines like all of that stuff so if they have great retention if um there's a lot of discussion on employees feeling that there is room for them to grow and navigate within the company if they are reaching a new client market. So what we forget is DE and I and B is not just within the company, but it's also in procurement. What are the companies um, that you're using for your services? And are you actually hiring a diverse group of people to provide your services and your products for your company? Are you marketing to a diverse group of potential clients? Um, let's say a bank, you know, if you are a bank and you are in the middle of LA, but you're not providing uh, bank accounts, you're not providing marketing in multiple languages, you're not providing um, or hiring diversely within so that your customers see people like them working at that bank then you're falling short. And so having a lot of those stats and that is what you present to your C-suite because ultimately if they see money going out, but they see no way to retain or increase a profit margin, they're not going to join you in your campaign. Angel, so good. I'm really, I'm, I'm love your knowledge, appreciate your knowledge, but also just the depth and the details uh, anybody that's listening to this, I hope you are taking notes and um, we'll be sure to connect with Angel after this because I think you have an amazing 
grasp on this. You have a ton of experience. And I think companies are, you know, companies need to, they need to lean into this conversation. They need to embrace this and um, they can't do it on their own. And so they're going to need specialists like yourself that can guide them and consult them along the way. Um, before we dive on to the second piece of the implementation, I would like to talk about, you know, we've seen some major companies, unfortunately, here in the last few months that have actually gotten rid of their DEI programs or divisions or teams. And unfortunately, a lot of companies have followed suit. I would love for us to talk about that and in, in that conversation, right? It's A, it's unfortunate that, that has happened, but I'm really disappointed in those that followed suit just because this major brand decided to do that. So the companies that followed suit, let's be honest, we're only checking the box anyway. So mm-hmm. if a company, in my opinion, if a company is that quick to drop a program that they spent significant money to implement, they were not advocates of DE&I in the first place. They were simply putting into place what they felt that their either target market or that they felt pressure to do in order to check the box. And that could be for state regulations, federal regulations, or again, you know, just what they thought their clients wanted to see. And so that is something that I have been really honing in on um, as of this year because that has been my one big, I'm going to say, point that I cheer about is, look, just because A, B, and C dropped their DE&I program does not mean that you should be following. And if you are following, then you're doing not only yourself a disservice, you're doing your clients, your employees, your community a disservice. And I think it's also a way that a lot of these companies, they block improvement based on their own biases. And even some of the companies I have been told by people, um, not just me, but other people of color that I have talked to that are trying to kind of reinforce this DE&I and support companies in implementing it. Again, they go back to, well, have you been certified? And for me, the question is certified by who? And who says that that certification that you're spending five, ten, twenty thousand $20,000 to obtain is actually the best education to get. And so one of the things I want to talk about as well as if you're bringing in a DEI officer, a consultant, or you're looking at companies to come in and do some education, if those companies, the ownership, the board of director, the trainers, the uh, program creators all look the same, then you have a problem because what they're doing is bringing in a pre-tainted type of DEI, and that's what's going to be implemented in your company. We have to be looking at not just you know one person coming in to create a program, but there should be diversity in it, and not just color. I'm talking about age. I'm talking about disability, um, whether that be a physical disability or something like somebody who has dealt with bipolarism. Um, We're talking about those young people coming into career as, you know, 
also those ones that are now retiring, like taking a look at all of these people, where are they coming from? Are they coming from different colleges? Are they coming from different areas, different states, um, different thought processes? And if there are three or four people who have created an entire program and they all came from the same place with the same thought process and they graduated from the same colleges, you're not getting diverse thought. Preach it. I love it. I think it's, I think it's, you know, it's such a, it's such a simple, but important concept, right? When you are looking at that diversity and inclusion, sometimes people call add in the word alley ship, right? You know, all of those, um, you know, equity, all of the different words, right? When you are working on those programs, whatever, whatever the name or the acronym is, cause they are evolving, right. And they're different overseas than they are here. It's, it's the biggest thing is we, we need to be a melting pot. We need to be a tapestry of many different colors. And if you aren't representing that full tapestry, you're not going to be able to implement a program that needs to be inclusive to all. Yes, I completely agree. The other thing that I see is, you know, we talk about um, a lot of times internal um, or like internalized biases or things like that. And so I have seen companies where they go, oh, look around. We're diverse. Look at the people who work in this company. And we're like, okay, great. Yes, we see that the majority of people who work in this company are, you know, Hispanic or, you know, there's a, a large diversity in the group of employees, but that's only until you hit management. And once you hit, you know, those executive levels and uh, DVP levels, director levels, C-suite levels, that diversity is not there any longer. When you look at board members, that diversity is not there any longer. And if you say, oh, well, our CEO is Black or Asian or a woman, but that CEO is also coming from the same area, the same types of schools, or the same types of thought processes as the rest of that C-suite or that board of director, again, all you're checking the box for is diversity, but you're not checking for inclusion. That person's not creating programs that make everybody else feel like they belong. They're not um, creating those programs so that there are differences of thoughts and opinions that are actually taking place in discussion so that they create the programs um, that employees are working on, that they're onboarding new companies with a different lens, as, as you would say. I mean, for myself, DE and I is the basis of almost everything I do. I mean, that's, it's very important to me, but people will tell me, oh, Angel, well, you know, we really have to work together because we're like-minded. And the problem with being like-minded with everybody you work with is again, then that means there's no diversity, right? So I like to tell people, I want to work with somebody who's like-hearted. And that means that they have a positive mindset. That means that they're open to learning. That means that they love people, no matter who they are, right? That doesn't mean that we have to agree with every implementation that that my thought process is gonna duplicate your thought process. No, because if that's the case, then again, we're excluding instead of including. 
yes to all of those things. And Angel, I think you bring up some great points of it's it's making sure that you're looking at walks of life and where do they come from and those areas. And there's different layers and there's different degrees of diversity and equity and inclusion and belonging and allyship, right? And I think those varying degrees is the portion and the part that people miss and that organizations are missing. So getting back to one of your very first topics of talking about that implementation, right? And as an organization is looking to build that program, or maybe they need to rebuild that program, right? Let's talk a little bit in more detail around that implementation or the certifications or not certifications that you recommend to those organizations that are really trying to um, really embrace that culture change. First, one of the things that I like to talk about is getting rid of the feelings of guilt, getting rid of the feelings of what other companies or what the community is going to think about, oh, well, we're just starting our program, right? And so that is a very big barrier. I see that a lot with companies who think, well, if I just start my program and people find out, they're going to recognize that I haven't been working on this, right? So we have to start someplace. Um, And so start now, right? If you're thinking about it, that's one. And two, I'm getting rid of the feeling of guilt and getting rid of the feeling of I should have. The goal is we don't want to look back. We want to look forward. So if you're embracing the changes and you want to create a company where you want your employees to feel like they belong, you want your employees to be able to voice their opinions so that um, you can create a better working environment. And when that happens, we have seen statistics show that those companies make more money, that those companies retain employees, that those companies find a target markets that before may not have shopped with them or done business with them, right? So that's the first one, embracing it and getting started. The second is, I always say, talk to more than one consultant. Talk to, you know, find two or three and find out who fits you best. And that could be maybe because um, one company may have, or one person may have a streamlined program. Okay, here's my program, A to Z. And whether you are a trucking company, you are a food manufacturer, or you do apparel, this is our program, right? That I think really leaves room or leaves a gap when you're bringing in that type of education, no matter what the company is. Now, taking a look at somebody else who says, okay, here's my foundation for DE&I program. Like these are the the pockets that we coach on. These are the pockets that we want to make sure your policies are created on. But we also want to know more about your company. You know, where's the foundation? What does DE&I actually mean to you? What improvements are you trying to make? And what is your timeline? You know, are you trying to make a whole 360 in six months, or 
can we or do we have time to phase it in so that it becomes effective? And then what's your plan for continuation? Have you put in or have you put in any thought to, well, we want this program to phase in over the first 18 months, but we want to make sure that we're working with a consultant for an additional two years so that we have quarterly or semi-annual audits on our program, review of any policies that need to be updated, and continued education, especially when you educate all of your employees at one time. And if you have a lot of turnover, guess what happens? The program doesn't become effective because you train everybody, you have 30% turnover. And so if you don't train them again, now you have 30% of your employees who don't have any training at all. And that starts to decrease the people who've already been trained. It starts to put them right back into a pre-training mode of how they do business. So there has to be, you know, those things that we think about and also, you know, recognizing that not every consultant is for every company. I think your nuggets there around the phases is excellent. And I think, I think back to, you know, etymology is three eyes, right? We identify, we innovate, and we implement. And all those areas, right, really apply to when you are looking, truly looking to make a change in your organization, really embrace and navigate that, navigate that change of um, DNI and adding in the, you know, the belonging component as well. And I think it's so important. And I think what people forget a lot of times, especially on the implementation side, is that continued education. It's that continuation. It's that utilization. It's that adoption. Um, because that's how, you know, that's how it continues. That how, that's how it continues to grow. I think of it like a garden, right? Like you do all this work to build a garden, but after the garden's built, now it now comes the real work, right? Now you're weeding it and you're watering it and you're maintaining it and you're covering it with a, you know, you're covering the plants in the winter and all those different things. And then things will really start to grow. But you've really got to put the work in to plant it. You've really got to put the work in to say, what type of garden, right? What type is going to work for me? And then really implementing that, but then caring for it post-implementation. Yes, you know that I, I keep hearing a lot of statistics right now being thrown around about DNI is a waste of money. It doesn't work. We've you know we've taken all of these companies who implemented these DNI programs over the last three years, but we're seeing that they haven't been effective. And to me, that is I find a negative way to come about this um, because they're not pointing out the the downfalls of how these programs got implemented. And so, yes, they're not being effective because they were one and done. And that's just like a safety program. If you have a risk program or a safety program within your company, you don't train your employees once about how to use a machine and don't put your finger in the machine and make sure you're wearing your PPE, uh, you know, all of these different things you make sure that that safety culture is in that organization on a daily basis. You know, there are regular discussions before work 
about, you know, safety. There are weekly discussions about slip and fall prevention. There are weekly, so it's the same thing with DE&I. If there are not continuous discussions, continuous habit changes, then it's not gonna be effective. One thing that we take a look at is, for instance, I am 47 years old. Now, I have 47 years worth of experiences, worth of education, worth of um, skill sets, and worth of habits, right, that either have been instilled in me or that I've created. Now, I cannot break a habit overnight, because how can one night or one month or even one year break habits I've learned over 47 years? They have to be discussions and education about how do we create better habits that will automatically fill the place of some of the bad habits that we've had. And when you create those better habits, then you continue to educate on those things. You remind people about keeping those better habits. You remind people about, you know, the improvement that's coming in and the money that you're saving and the new programs that you're implementing and all of these different things. Because you have employees who are 18, who are 40, who are 70, that's a whole lot of years of experience, education, and habits that you think are going to break in a one-hour training. It doesn't happen that way. Oh, so many good nuggets there, Angel. I so appreciate this conversation. I think it's really important for our listeners and our organizations that listen in. I think you know, these are amazing tools and tips and tricks, but I think what's important is they need to, you know, they need to get that buy-in. They need to find the right consultant, the right program, but they've got to continue the work, right? It's not that one and done. They have to continue putting that work in. So in these final moments, I want to kind of do a little bit of a quick round robin with you around kind of our attributes, just a couple, you know, a couple sentences real quick on how DEI really translates to that. How does that sound? Sounds great. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. So the power to be confident is that confidence to know our true authentic self, to know our voice, to speak our truth so that we are heard. We are leading by example with assertiveness and giving us a sense of empowerment and confidence. Yes. So DE and I, especially for those people who feel like they maybe have not fit in before, when we start to create a culture of welcoming, guess what happens? People feel like they belong and then they're more willing to take part and they're more willing to um, work within these realms. And when that happens and they're successful in that, that grows their confidence to continue to grow and to continue to rise. Awesome. The capacity to be inquisitive. We are always learning, always students of life. We're walking in humility, knowing that we're not necessarily the smartest person in the room, but we know how to mobilize the right team and people to ensure that we are open to the fullness of life. That's a beautiful, beautiful point, because I never want to be the smartest person in the room. I always want somebody smarter than me who's willing to share information so that I can continue to grow. And one of the sayings that I created is, always keep one hand on the mountain you're 
climbing and the other out for your brother and sister. And so that's really, really important is that we continue to take information from somebody else to grow. And then we share the information we have with others to help them along their path as well. Yes. The determination to be imaginative, to dream big, never be satisfied with the status quo, be that innovating solutionist, continue to break down barriers and say, you know what, I'm here. What can we improve? What is impossible that make to make possible? This is something that I embrace, um, but it's much harder for people to embrace because they're used to the status quo. And we've heard if it's not broken, don't fix it. But unfortunately, that is not the way we want to think. Those companies that are making amazing strides in DEI, making amazing strides in employee retention and growth within their community are those who are creative. They're thinking outside the box and they have a source of empathy as well, which means we don't feel sorry for people. We are trying to figure out how do we see things through their eyes so that we can continue to create a place where everybody wants to work and feel safe. Beautiful. The ability to be present, to keep showing up, even if for a moment, it's the art of starting to do something, anything, and trusting that our process, even when it seems that there are more pivots than plans, and we live with that attitude of progress and not perfection. Yes. If you take your first step, that is always the hardest step to take because we beat ourselves up. We're our own worst enemy um, when it comes to figuring out or thinking about all the worst things that can happen before we ever get started, which stops us, right? So you get out of bed, you take that first step, you journal and start putting down even those small wins that you have on a daily or weekly basis so that when you do hit those times where pivot is required or you hit those times where there's a lot of barriers and you think about giving up, you can look back in your journal or your diary or your calendar and start recognizing that you have had improvement over you know, the time that you've been working on this. And so you're on the right track. Yes. Love it. All right. The choice to be resilient, the stamina, the grit, the perseverance to acknowledge that life can be shit, but how do we learn and grow and turn those negatives into positives? Don't believe somebody when they tell you that you are a failure or that you've done something that has failed. Um, There is no such thing. So I always when I am coaching and I'm consulting, I tell people that we take a look at the things that we do as a scientist in a lab. In order for a scientist to find a cure, they have hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands of, let's say, failures, right? Those things that they have attempted and tried that did not work. But instead of saying that they failed, they took a look at it. They recognized and noted what they did what didn't work, and they tried something else. And that is how they learn until they get to that cure. And for us in business, it's the same thing. Instead of looking at something and saying, hey, 
we failed. That was crap. Like we fell forward on our face. Um, what we need to look at is say, hmm, okay, well, that was a trial. That didn't work. What didn't work? Okay, let's try something else. We're going to implement it and try it again. And as long as we continue to do that, what we're doing is we're recognizing what doesn't work until we find what does. And last but certainly not least, that connection to be influential, leading by example as an actionable leader you look to the future and also bring along that next generation alongside you and mentor them so they can stand on your shoulders. Yes, that is, again, one of the big, big things that I talk about when I say put one hand on the mountain you're climbing and the other out for your brother and sister. It is up to us to be the change that we want to see. And I don't believe that if people are just speaking loudly and clapping loudly and recognizing their own attributes and accomplishments, that they should be the people everyone's looking at. We need to be looking at those people who are walking the talk. Um, you know, DEI and advocacy is not easy. We get broken down, we get, you know, opportunities that maybe don't come when they should, because we are walking the talk. And so when you bring others with you, and you become a chorus of those voices, you're much stronger in the actions that you're doing. And that's where change occurs. Yes. Oh, I love those. Thank you so much, Angel, for doing the round robin with me on all of the GSD factor attributes and so beautifully tying it into our DEI and B conversation. Angel, how can people reach out to you and connect with you and any final thoughts for our listeners today? Yeah, they can find me on LinkedIn. Um, under Angel Garrett Chagoya, or we also have Beauty and Beast in Business uh, LinkedIn page. And then we also have the website www.beautyandbeastinbusiness.com. And the one thing I want to leave everybody with is the thought of recognizing you have everything that you need to be successful. You have the brains, you have the heart. And you have the ability to go into this world and make a change, whether it be for a whole community or whether it be for your family or whether it be for you. And so find those people around you who are willing to support you, to cheerlead you and to provide you resources and skill sets so that they help you move forward. And I hope that you find me on LinkedIn and I hope that you connect with me because everything that I do in life is really about shining that light and making sure that we are living through education, advocacy, empowerment, and connection. Angel, thank you so much um, for joining us today. It's truly been an honor and a privilege to have you here. I'm so grateful to have you in my life and the collaborations that we are working on together are really exciting um, and more to come on that later in the year. Thank you to our GSC Factor listeners. We appreciate each and every one of you. 
Um, and we hope that you will, um, you know, listen to this recording, re-listen to it, take those notes, really sink in, really be present, really sit in these conversations and really truly start to think about how you can be those advocates and amplifying those microphones in your own communities and your own organizations. And don't forget to get shit done. Thanks for listening to the GSD Factor podcast. If you liked this episode, please rate and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, where you can also find previous episodes. Let's also connect on LinkedIn and Instagram. If you're looking for more information on the GSD Factor, visit us at gsdfactor.com. And always remember to GSD, get shit done.